Good morning! Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. This morning's episode is titled, A Bone of Him Shall Not Be Broken. It shall be focused on the study of John chapter 19. Before we go any further, we begin with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Thy Word, to know that when it spoke and said a bone shall not be broken, and prophecy was given, it had to be fulfilled. And as we see, Lord, that heavens and earth will pass away until every will not pass away, will, will pass away, but Your Word will never pass away. So we thank Thee to know, Father, that we can have that confidence upon Your Word. And so we pray, Lord, help us for our lives to line up with it. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to John chapter 19. Chapter 19 Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold! I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man! When the chief priests therefore and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid, and went again into the judgment hall, and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee, and have power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew, Golgotha where they crucified him, and two other with him, on either side one, and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city, and it was written in Hebrew, and Greek, and Latin. 
Then said the chief priests of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts, to every soldier a part, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. They said therefore among themselves, Let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be. That the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, They parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things therefore the soldiers did. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put it upon hyssop, and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head, and gave up the ghost. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation, that the bodies should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was an high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken, and that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers, and brake the legs of the first, and of the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus, and saw that he was dead already, they brake not his legs. But one of the soldiers with the spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he that saw it bear record, and his record is true, and he knoweth that he saith true, that ye might believe. For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And again another scripture saith, They shall look on him whom they pierced. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night, and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about an hundred pound weight. Then took they the body of Jesus, and wound it in linen clothes with the spices, as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden, and in the garden a new sepulchre, wherein was never man yet laid. There laid they Jesus therefore because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulchre was nigh at hand. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled Identification. This was preached in 1963 on January the 23rd, We'll begin at paragraph 1, up to paragraph 118. I trust you find it to be a blessing. You may be seated. Thank you very much, Brother Shores. It's said... I certainly deem this a grand privilege to be here tonight 
in the, this first assembly of God, again, to fellowship around the Word of God with you fine people, to be with our precious brother Shore again, and, uh, and all the brethren that we have met through the week, and we've had a really a grand time these last two weeks. I don't know as I have ever in years ever had a better time than I have this week of fellowshipping with the brethren around through this Maricopa Valley, all the way from Mesa down and down to Tucson, which is Jerusalem, of course, on the hill. And we're glad to visit with our brethren here in Jericho, see, down here in the, down at the bottom of the hill. <coughs> Just wondering how that was going to go. <clears throat> and so, um, when I was here many years ago, that was always an arrival between uh, Tucson and Phoenix. So I just thought of that the other day. You know, they teased me about holding up for Tucson. And so uh, I thought about, well, it's on the hill and Jericho's in the valley, you know. So I thought that would just be a good one. <laughs> well, um, we catch Mr. In-Between and the other one coming down. <laughs> we want to work on him. Now, it's been a grand time, as I repeat, and we've certainly enjoyed ourselves immensely. Now, we are great, waiting with great anticipation for this coming convention starting tomorrow night. We're expecting a great time. And in this, I have tried to lay and my humble way of doing it, a foundation, kind of get a stir among the people for the revival that's coming up. And now we got some wonderful speakers coming up in this revival. It's uh, at hand now. Brother um, Velma Gardner and, and some Methodist brother that's supposed to be an outstanding speaker. And then for that great final... A wrap at it all is our precious brother Oral Roberts for next uh, Monday night. And I trust that God will give the brethren such messages that will send Phoenix to its knees a-trembling in the fear of God. And we've tried hard this week to, to lay a foundation for that. Uh, the soon appearing of the Son of God. And I... And believing and have been teaching that altogether possible that he could come in this generation now, even this night. We just don't know when it's going to be, but we want to be so prepared that when it does come, we will go with him in the rapture. It's been a great time. I've been preaching these strong messages about His coming and trying to lay out the, the possibilities and the hour that we're now living in and how that everything, to my opinion, my humble opinion, is just in condition for the coming of the Lord, the rapture, the next thing. And all that lacks could happen within an hour. I believe uh, many, I don't know just how many, but several of the outstanding prophecies pertaining to 
the fulfillment of the coming of the Messiah and what he would do was fulfilled in the last seven hours at the cross. How they pierced my side and my, not a bone was broken and, and uh, he cried, My God, why has thou forsaken me? And the great prophecies, they just happened one, two, three, four, just like that. Just in an hour or two apart. Now, that could happen the same way at his return. And we must be alert, waiting. Last evening, I thought we had a grand time down at the, at the uh, Assembly of God south of here. I believe it's South Side, maybe it's called South Side Assembly. I met a fine brother that I had not met before in the journey, as I remember. But a precious uh, brother and a fine group of people. And we spoke on there last night uh, a message of, uh, of uh, having him as an oasis, a place remembering him, what all he had done. When we come together, sitting around in heavenly places in Christ, and uh, to remember the things that he did and the things that he promised to do, how he promised he would meet with us wherever two or three were assembled in his name, and there he would be among us. Then I thought the sovereignty of God was so marvelously displayed when he came right down among us and proved himself that he was there with us again. That just makes it foolproof that we are near the end. And those things he promised to do right at the end, and we see it facing us now, I presume maybe that most people here are, are saved people, and we are the ones who are praying and putting forth our effort now for the coming convention, and we must press with all that's in us and do everything we can. Be sure that we speak to every sinner during the time of this convention. Approach every businessman and every unsaved person, those without Christ, Without the Holy Spirit, we want to approach them with a message, with a sane, solid gospel approach to the people. Let our lives be so salty that others can watch the way we act and live, that they'll want to live that way too. You know, Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. But if a law of salt has lost its testimony, its, uh, its Savior, its drawing power... Then it can no more heal or save. Salt saves when it contacts, and we must we must uh, be God's contact. We are His point of contact, as Brother Roberts many times refers to putting his hand on the radio or something for a point of contact. Now you may hear me talking a little funny tonight, but last three or four nights I've had to take my upper voice. <laughs> Uh, the other ones wore out. <laughs> so uh, I'm talking up high more from top of my mouth. It's uh, not a put-on, but I've got to do it to keep the bottom part from hurting. You know, God kind of makes us in a way where if one part wears down, we can catch another. Someone, someone, you know, a reserve. And someone asked me some one time, said, how can you walk so hard through the mountains and so forth? I said, well... I learned that a little technique long years ago from the Indians. See, you can walk with your knees. 
don't use much your hip and let your hips rest. Then walk with your hip in the stride and let your knees rest, you see. So just rest and walk, rest and walk, rest and walk. That's where you preach with the upper and then the lower and the upper and lower. Let one rest. Oh, God made a wonderful thing when He made a man. You know why? It was in His image that He made man. And so what more could be more wonderful than God? Now, I've been preaching so much on the, on the coming of Christ in this age. I thought... Maybe it would be a good thing tonight to kindly settle down on some of these things I've been talking about and bring the, the seriousness of the condition of this day into our presence by the gospel and see how we are, ourselves are fitted for this hour. How do we know this may be the last convention these businessmen will ever have? You know, this may be the last night that the... First assembly of God and all the rest of the churches throughout the country will be open. Tomorrow it could happen, they're all closed. We don't know. This may be the last time the Bible's read to this audience. So let us just kind of check up tonight and see where we're at for this seriousness for a little while. And then we are going to go um, try to get through early so we can let the people out, not hold you. I made a little rude remark this week that uh, I, I'd keep you long through the nighttime if I know just to miss a day's work. That won't hurt you. But I said Saturday night now. Can't keep you long at all because you can't miss Sunday school. You must be there at your post of duty. So now, I won't keep you long tonight because I certainly want you there tomorrow night. That's what we've been driving for this great time. And now... Pray for all those brethren who are going to speak. Pray that God will anoint His messengers. And that last night with Brother Oral, he's been chosen for that final capping off of all of it. And I think of that last time like it was the last day of the feast when Jesus stood and cried at the temple. Oh, may we hear it again. May God cry out to us and call us to His side. Gather in the church is redeemed his bride that he's so graciously purchased with his own blood. And we're praying for that end. Now, we're going to look to the Lord just now in prayer before we approach his word because, you know, the word is of no private interpretation. So, I just like for the author to reveal it and keep out of it, you know, just so that we can we can believe that he's a doing it. So let us bow our heads just now, and and when we bow our heads, let's bow hearts also. Just bow our hearts to God. Now, with our heads and hearts bowed, is there a request in your heart tonight, my fellow citizen of the kingdom? My pilgrim brother, you who are sojourning here in Phoenix and in other places that we've gathered in this lovely little church tonight to worship Him, is there a request that you would like God to know about? Hold it in your mind and just raise up your hand and say, Lord, let it be me now tonight. Uh, I have a, a desperate need. May He, I know He'll see it. He'll hear it. He'll answer it. Our Heavenly Father, we are approaching Thee by faith now. We are joining ourselves together. 
putting our prayers as one person. By faith, we're leaving here at 11th and Garfield, and we're climbing up by faith beyond the moon and stars, up the Milky White Way, on in and beyond scenes of this earth, on to the presence of God, and there on the altar where the sacrifice is laying, and the cherubims and seraphims are flying over the altar of God, crying, Holy! Oh, what a place to stand, but with this written word by the Son of God, that if we ask the Father anything in His name, He'll grant it to us. And there He sits with His bloody garments. The price has been paid that we, the unworthy, can approach Him. Well, sons and daughters, after we've accepted Christ as our Savior, and we pray, Heavenly Father, tonight, first to pardon our iniquity and all that we've done and said that was not just right in your sight. And God, we know that's innumerable things that we have did. Have mercy upon us, God, for we are not just speaking these things to be heard, but we are, are speaking these things in, in love and, and reverence and in faith that God, God will hear us and answer our prayers for others and ourselves. You know what was behind each hand, the objective and the motive. Lord, spread forth your great holy wings as it was tonight. And may your august presence be so felt among us tonight that we'll fear. God, we want to know just our standing place now. We're checking up, taking inventory of our lives. It might be just before the rapture, the call away. And we are anticipating this coming meeting uh, over at uh, the Ramada tomorrow night. And we want to check our own lives tonight and see where we are short so that we'll be instruments in our hand clay molded and shaped by the God of heaven that we might be able to anticipate in this great event that is coming to pass that we're putting forth for no other cause but for the kingdom's sake and the glory of God. Bless our feeble efforts of the weak, Lord, trying to stir amongst the people the realization of the hour we're living. Speak to us tonight as through the reading of the Word, and may you take the text and, and reveal the context in the way that the Holy Spirit would have us to know it. And all praise shall be thine, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. As many people like to kind of keep down texts and Thinking of times I'd like to refer back to it, and many times ministers, like I do myself, we, we keep a text down sometimes to uh, refer to it. Some minister spoke on it, and we some little thought uh, caught our mind, and we like to refer back to it sometimes to say, well, that's uh, uh, I've seen something while they were saying it. That's all right. Now we want to read tonight in the Bible out of the book of the Philippians letter, Paul writing to the Philippians. And the second chapter, 5 to 8, we'd like to read this for our text. 
while you read with us or give us your undivided attention as we endeavor to read it. Now, while you're turning to your place in the Scripture, I'd like to say it's been granted me, your brother, the privilege of speaking this coming Sunday afternoon at the convention. It's my intention of being there now the rest of the week and setting out somewhere in the audience or somewhere listening and filling up and feeding my own soul uh, on the Word of God as our brethren will bring it in the testimonies of the businessman. And uh, hoping to see you all there. Uh, meetings on the afternoon so the churches will be closed all around you. You'll be more than welcome to come. We're expecting you. That and every other meeting. Now in Philippians 2, 5 we read, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word. Now, I would like to take for a few minutes of your time on a, what I would call or like to say a text called identification, identifying, identified in the likeness of Bible characters, being identified in the likeness of Bible characters. And tonight, as I have thought in approach to this, after we have this week been talking of His coming and how that the church should make itself ready, today as I sat in the room, I had something upon my mind I wanted to speak on tonight, the supreme sacrifice, but seemed the Holy Spirit seemed to kind of move me sideways from that, over into another channel of thinking. All ministers knows what that is. You, you think you've got something you want to say, and then all of a sudden you feel that you should say something else. Maybe contrary. Maybe it's just for one person. I don't know, but I'm old enough in Christ to know to follow the leading of the Spirit. What the Spirit says, do, do it. And I'm sure tonight that we ought to find ourselves somewhere in some character of the Bible so that we would know the outcome of that character and know what our outcome will be. It reminds me of a little story I heard one time of uh, a lady that brought her little boy from, from out in the country somewhere that they lived into the city to, to uh, visit uh, his grandmother. And the little boy living back in my part of the country, in Kentucky, the country means in a log house somewhere with small clapboard shingles on it. And so our mara at home was a piece of a mara tacked on a tree where outside where there's a little wash bench built on the tree by the pitcher pump where dad would pump the water and wash his hands and piece of mara there. And I've seen mama stand out there and comb her hair because it's 
no Mary in the house. This little lad must have been raised in such a home, and when he came down to visit his grandmother, she had a, a door that on the back side of it was a mirror. And the little lad was kind of lonesome, and he was looking all around the house, and after a bit, he happened to look through the door, and it had been closed since he come in, and, and the mirror on his side, he saw a little boy. And he started to the little boy to make friends with him. And as he began to look into this glass, he got up close and he turned around and he said, Why, Mama, that's me. And that's what we want to look at tonight. I want to look at me. And I want you to look at yourself. And as we look into God's great mirror of His Word, let's our, be able to identify ourselves with some that we're going to speak about, some of the characters of other times. And I want to see myself. And, I, and God's looking glass, because if anything will show you where you're standing, it's this book. <laughs> There's no book like it, because it is all truth. I don't say that other books are not true, but I know this one's true. It's all truth, because it's the Word of God. Now, Jesus gave us the example of what we ought to be looking at when He reflected His life to us through the Word. What we should see when we look into God's mirror, we should see ourselves identified with Him. That is a perfect example. Now, but we find out that as we go along through life, that our character molds the image that we are. Each one knows that. You, as you live, so is your character molds you to what you are. Now, you have seen people that you just love to be around, yet they might not exactly be in, in your bracket of society. And again, they might be of a different race, uh, the colored or the brown or the yellow, but there's just something about that character that you just love to be in their presence because each person is a, a little dynamo of their own. And you, you put out an atmosphere. And then you've seen people that were noble people, but yet you were always glad to get away from them. It's just they, they create such an atmosphere around where you are. Nothing against them. They're nice people, but you just don't like that atmosphere they, they're, they're in. And their character creates whatever they are, makes them what they are. When God looked upon His lost creation, after He had made it and fashioned it just the way He wanted it, and I, I like to look at it in its uh, origination. I, I love the outdoors because there are, that must be the way He wants it or He wouldn't have it made that way. And we come around and pervert it and make something out of it that doesn't please Him. But his loving character 
uh, molded God seeing that his, that his uh, great plan and creation uh, of mankind to inhabit the earth and to live in peace and never to die, never to be sick or have a heartache or any weary. Oh, what a, what a way that the Father provided for us. And that was his, that was his desire to, for us to be in that way. He didn't desire us to be in a dying shape as we are. This, and the, the condition that the world is in today is never the desire of God. He didn't mean that at all. But when he seen that his creation had, had fallen, now his own loving character molded himself into the person of Christ. God's own character of love projected himself in the man, Christ. As Paul speaking here, thinking not robbery, but making himself equal, equal to God, rather. See, his own character molded that kind of a person. Oh, no one could ever do that but God. This was done so that He could pay the penalty of the fall of His creation. See, there must be something save this creation and nothing could save it because the high species of His creation had fallen and everything under it fell with it because it fell. There's only one thing left that did not fall, and that was God, the heavens. So something of the heavens had to come down to redeem this creation because there was nothing here that could create it. And God's own love for the world created the character uh, expressed in Christ. He was God's character. He was God's express image. In Him was God. God in Christ revealing Himself to the world. And no love could ever be greater than that love. That such a person would become what He did in order to, to redeem what had been lost. That ought to, just that thought right there should set Phoenix and the whole world to shame to see what a condition that we have fallen into and what God projecting Himself to make a plan of redemption to, fall, to redeem this fallen character of ours. This was done so that the penalty could be paid because the the penalty was death, and one under the sentence of death could not pay the penalty for the next one under the sentence of death. So there had to be somebody come who was free from death in order to pay the penalty, and none other could come but God, because He was the only one that was free from the penalty of death. Now, Therefore, his loving character of love 
Oh, for us it, it makes plain John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but would have eternal life. God projecting Himself and become man that He might have upon Him the form of His creation. In other words, He changed His tent. He spread it amongst human beings. And the infant Jehovah crying in a manger. Could you imagine it? It ought to alarm the hearts of believers. And that was all done. Could you imagine Jehovah being a baby in a, in a manger, in a, in a stable of manure? Could you imagine that? Could you imagine little Jehovah playing as a, as a boy? It's an example. Could you imagine him as a teenager? Could you imagine him in the carpenter's shop? And could you imagine in such complete obedience to God dying on a cross to redeem His fallen creation? That's the kind of a love that God had. And He had to become that in order to die, to hold the sting of death. Now, I believe a few nights ago we were expressing something on that order. When uh, He came... And he sent prophets and great men. And he sent Moses and the prophets. And he gave laws. But all these could not redeem because they were still man under the penalty of death. And they could not pay the penalty of death. Although they were pointing posts that pointed to that perfect one coming. Because they were not perfect. But when this one was born, he was born without sin. God, Jehovah, overshadowed a virgin and created the blood cell. And when that was born, it was the Son of God. In other words, it was a tabernacle. It was a dwelling place where Jehovah could live among His people and express Himself what He was. What an example. How that the Holy God made manifest and then took the place of a servant to wash feet and spoke that the birds have nests and the, and the foxes have den, but I don't have a place to lay my head. Then what an example. How would our life reflect to His? And He made the example of what we should do. How we should be. We should see Him. When you look in the mirror, see Christ. The mirror of His Word. How that He did that for love. And we gave a little drama the other night of Christ uh, going up Golgotha. And how that the footprints of His uh, blood uh, running down His back where he had been scourged and mistreated and bruised and all this for you. He had no sin. He had no sin, but he was made sin by becoming a sin offering 
And now God had to, to reveal himself in his attributes into this person called Christ in order to take death upon himself. As Jehovah, he could not die. So he had to create himself a body. And no woman could produce that body. So his own character. Amen. Excuse me. When I think of it, his character projected that lovely person of Jesus Christ. No woman could bring it. Moses' mother, she, uh, uh, Josebel, she was a great woman. And so was Rebecca and many other of the women. But none of them could produce this type of character because it was come through sex by a fallen people. But God projected His own body, His dwelling place. That's the reason He was the Son of God. Because nothing else could project it. But His own divine character projected this tabernacle to express Himself in. And yet He stuck Himself away from the great thing that He was. And at His birth, He could have come with a full angel salute. He could have come with the chariots and angels of heaven. But He come by the way of a barn. That's His, his love. Bringing himself down to the lowest. Now, you study that character a little bit and then look at yourself. And I look at myself, but that's what he was. That's who he was. And that's why he was. To save you. He took, he become you. That you might become him. He took your load of sin. Therefore, when we come to meet him, we will not have to stand. We could not stand in the presence of God. There's no way for us to do it. But when we stand in Him, see, He's already recognized the sacrifice. This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. He recognized it. There was no blemish on Him. And yet He suffered temptation like any other man. Yet with he was scorned. He was made fun of. He was persecuted from the hour he was born until the hour he died. And yet he returned good for evil. You cannot, no way, ever produce a character like that only accepting that character in you. A church cannot do that. A creed cannot do that. A denomination cannot do that. An education cannot do that. It must be a birth. It's got to be a, a dying out. And let God in it by the grace of Christ mold this type of character in you. That you become Him. And your life in His is the same. Then you are sons and daughters of God. Then... When he was going up the mountain and his cross was dragging out the footprints, oh, I wish I was an artist. I wish I was, could speak so that I could immediately paint you a picture of Calvary. Of that most dreaded hour that the world ever knew. And yet 
they were not conscious of what was going on. Millions was not conscious. And could I turn that picture to what I've said this week? We're entering again a dreaded hour, a fearful time. And Phoenix and the world is bathing and the churches is bathing themselves in worldlyism and in Hollywood showmanship, one outdoing the other, and our members are becoming worldly. It seems they don't catch the picture and the seriousness and the revelation of the appearing of the Son of God in this last days. What a terrible time it was. They just know that there was a malefactor under capital punishment was going to die that morning. That's all it was to them. That's all it is today to the people when they hear the message. Another wild man. Another holy roller. Or some religious crank. And I'm not saying that there isn't religious cranks. But did you only know that they call them oddballs. Well, listen, anybody that's living right is an oddball to this modern world. We're all oddballs, as so to speak. And excuse that word expression, but it's the only way I know you can go get what I'm talking about. Just an odd, peculiar person. Jesus was that type of person. The prophets were them kind of persons. It come in the age when everything was getting all loose in. And the prophets come and caught those loose ends and brought them back and shoved them out in the people's face and told them, the very God that you claim you're serving will destroy you. Because you've gone away from His program, that's the only path He can save you on. And they're always oddballs. And today when we hear the message of God come forth, we think it's some crook crank or something. And there, there's plenty of it in the world. Schemes, money-making, unconcerned, people under impressions and, and speaking as if it was the Lord. The Lord always truly identifies Himself. And notice, but in that, did you know all those things have to come? Certainly. The, uh, the rose must have its thorns. The kernel in a, in a nut should be covered over with a burr. You have to dig out the burr to get down to the kernel. We just fail to see those things. The jewels, the, the, the metals and jewels and money, silver and gold in these mountains are covered with dirt, filled with pyrite and other minerals. That runs together with it. We expect that. You've got to dig it out. When the prospector finds what he calls pay dust. It's dust, but it's, they see it. It symbolizes in there. There's a shadow of a mother load somewhere. And when we see these people today pertaining to be Christians. And just living anyway. What is it? It's a pain dust. There's a mother load somewhere. 
When we see somebody acting like they got the Holy Spirit when they're having and living a different life, it's only a proof that there is a genuine mother load of the Holy Ghost that can be poured out that can give the things that He promised. We must be very concerned and reverent. Jesus, on His way up, the devil always doubted that being any more than a prophet. He didn't believe that. He was a, a Emmanuel. God manifested in His own Son, Him and His Son being one. Why, well, He couldn't see that. How could God, the great Creator, ever stand and let somebody tell Him, well, if you be the Son of God, command these stones to be turned to bread. And how could He, in Pilate's courtyard, when the Excuse the expression, but when the chips was down, as we would call it, and there he was with a rag around his face and, and uh, Roman soldiers spitting in his face, jerking the beard and the blood pouring through, and with a crown of thorns on his head, and already beaten, and his blood running freely down his sides. And Satan watching that. And then put a rag over his face and the soldiers smote him on the head with a stick and then passed it one to the other and said, Now, if you can see these visions, if you be a prophet, now you, you tell us who hit you. And he never opened his mouth. So they thought, that Satan said, that, that can't be the Son of God. It just can't be. He wouldn't put up with that. But sons of God put up with anything as long as they know they're doing the will of God. And that's what he comes to do. Criticism. Now, with our message, can we stand by the looking glass of God's Word and see Christ reflect in our own lives then? Can we bear such and the reproach of the message that we're standing for here? Someone can say something about it, and yet you just don't open your mouth and say nothing about it. He was an example because God was reflecting His character in him. And then if we're sons and daughters of God, God reflects His character in us. Then we become like Him. That's my heart's desire. I think that's every believer's desire, is to become more like Him. And then on the road up the hill, when uh, Satan said, All right, death, now you know I have you in my command. And there he is. We finally wore him out. It's got to a place to where he's at the end of his wits. He doesn't know what to do anymore. He's become a reproach amongst the people. His message fell to the air. And now the government has caught him and he is defeated. He's not God. Go down there and suck the stinger in him. Take him out alive. And on the road up the hill as the bee began to buzz around him. But that is why he had to be more than a man. If he had been a man or just a prophet or anything less than God, if he had been that, death would have stung him and he would have laid in the grave. But the bee of death is like any other insect with a stinger. If it ever gets its stinger caught deep, its stinging days are over. It pulls its stinger out. 
Well, as long as human flesh was in the, the form of sin, sexually born under the curse, then when death stung that flesh, the stinger could come back and sting another. But when he stung that flesh, it pulled his stinger out. He has no more stinger. He was God in flesh, tabernacling among man. His stinging days were over. That's why God had to reflect Himself into a body which is we know as the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And He did that so that He could take away the penalty because you see now, we're going to another part of the Scripture, but you see now why that that man was more than just a teacher, as people say he is today, a philosopher, or a good man, or a prophet. He was Emmanuel. He was the Son of God, which is Jehovah God, made manifest in His attributes of displaying Himself in a body that He built Himself. Amen. It reflected in uh, the sinful nature of a man could not do the thing that he did. See? So it had to be uh, God making his, reflecting Himself in the man, making a mirror that we might see that perfect man, which is Christ. Yes, this doing that reflected his noble, loving character. See, in him was an attribute as a Savior, and it had to display itself. And he could not be a Savior and be a natural-born man. He had to be more than a man, and he was. He was the only one who could do this, insomuch that he was sinless by nature. He was God in word. Now, St. John, the first chapter, explains that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh. God become flesh when He represented or when He displayed Himself to the earth in the form of His Son, the person of Jesus, the Son of God. God displayed Himself in that person. Did not Jesus say, My Father and I are one, my Father dwelleth in me? It's not me that doeth the works, it's my Father. He dwells in me. I have no control of my own. He does that. God's fountain of word expressed. I feel Pentecostal. (laughs) Yes. He was sinless by nature. And that's the only thing that could project that. Sinless. God, Word. The Word being God, and a Word is a thought expressed. And when God thought of parent, He expressed His thought, in, and Christ was God's expression. Amen. You see it? He was God's expression. That God could be us and live as we live, yet expressing perfectly what the perfect person should be. Perfectly. He was God's Word expressed and uh, properly vindicated, identified. When He stood here on the earth, He said, If I do not the works of my Father, then don't believe me. And He said, Which one of you can accuse me of sin? 
I would like to open that just a little bit for you, if it be permissible. You see, sin is unbelief. There's only two thing, channels that you can live by. One of them is faith, and the other is unbelief. He that believeth not is condemned already. Smoking, drinking, committing adultery, lying, stealing, carnal impersonations, those things are attributes of unbelief. If you was a believer, you wouldn't do those things. No, you do that because you're not a believer. Oh, you, you, say, oh, you say, oh, but I am a believer, but by their fruits you shall know them. <laughs> your, your actions speak louder than what your confession proves. When you disbelieve God's Word and count it as something gone by or, or take some book in its stead and saying this is just as good as that, it goes to show that you're not a believer. That's right. You're, you're not. And if you was, then you would believe God's Word. And it would ex- He would express Himself through His Word. Now, He was uh, God's Word expressed. And He said, Now, if you can't believe Me, said, uh, believe the works that I do. Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and that's the very thing that tells who I am. Oh, wonderful. See, that's the one that says who I am. The Scriptures tells who I am. And let me take that a little further, will you? The Scriptures is what tells what you are. That expresses you. It expresses me. The Scriptures tell what we are. It's so loud that our voice cannot be even heard. Our life speaks louder than our voice. See? And it is God's way of letting us see what we are. Jesus said the same thing. They are they that testify of me. They prove what I am. And which one of you can condemn me of unbelief sin? If I haven't properly... Listen. I'm talking about looking at yourself. If I haven't properly identified myself as being what the... Word said that I would be. Wonder if we Christians could think that tonight. Wonder if we can look in God's looking glass of what requirements is of a Christian and identify ourselves that way. I wonder if we could. I wonder if we could identify ourselves tonight with John three sixteen and all, all other kind of scriptures. Mark sixteenth chapter and all these other places that and over in, in Galatians I believe and and uh, a different places in Thessalonians where the fruits of the Spirit and so forth. wonder if we can identify ourselves. Jesus said, which one of you can accuse me that I haven't performed uh, and done just exactly what the Scripture said I would do? Nobody could say a word because he had truly identified himself. And they, as they do always, the make-believer had identified him as Beelzebub, an evil spirit. When he made himself known in discernment of spirit that he was Messiah, then they said that's an evil spirit in him doing these things. So you see, he was properly uh, vindicated. There could be no mistake. The little woman at the well didn't, didn't make any mistake. She said, uh, Sir, we know when Messiah cometh, he, he'll do these things. But who are you? She said, he said, I'm he. And a man that could do a thing like that would surely tell the truth. 
the truth of God was with him, and they were commissioned. If the prophet raised and, and done the, said something and what he said come to pass, he was identified as a prophet. And she had recognized him as a prophet and asked who he was. And he told her then that settled it. She ran into the city and said, come see a man who told me the thing. There was no mistake about it. Philip had no mistake, although when uh, 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 Nathaniel, rather, when Philip had tried to tell him what had taken place when he met Simon. But uh, when Nathaniel came, he was a little in doubt. But when he seen Jesus, and Jesus said to him, Behold an Israelite, whom there's no God, he said, Rabbi, when did you know me? He said, Before Philip called you. I saw him. There, there was no possible way of a mistake. He said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You're the King of Israel. Jesus said, because I've told you that, you believe. You can see greater than that now. His sinless nature expressed God's Word. See, He was the Word. So God expressed Himself by that sinless nature. May I stop here just a second? I don't want to keep you too long, but... It just seems so good to me to talk to people. Notice, see, his sinless nature expressed what he was. He wa then, if his sinless nature, God expressed himself through that sinless nature, it shows that our nature is evil, and it's no matter how much we try to patch it up or how much we try to indocumate it with other things, it's got to become sinless like his was. And then God's Word can flow through it. That don't mean perfection in yourself. You can't be that. But, you see, even our people are getting away from the practice of holiness. We begin to let down so many bars. we got to come to that place of our profession. He is our example and He's our sin barrier. And then if we profess that He is our peacemaker. He is our propitiation. Then if we profess that, then that is supposed to reflect Him back in us. And we are a written epistle, a looking glass that people can see Christ in us. And now if they don't, then we're, we're looking at something else. And we're not looking to Him. Look to Him all the ends of the world and live. The only way you can. His sinful, sinless nature expressed the Word of God so much that He and the Word was one. He said so. I and my Father are one. I do always that what pleases. I and my Father are just one. He was so perfect in the image of God until He and God was the express same thing. He was the flesh, the Son, that expressed the deity of God. So that made Him deity in a man in order to redeem a man. See? He and the Word was one. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was God and the Word was made flesh. So He and the Word became one that the Word could express and could show to the world that example of what man should be. And man can't be that in himself. There's no way to educate it to it. There's no way to join it. There's no way to baptize it. There's no way of doing nothing to it. Only kill it and let it be born again. And a new nature come in. That's the only way. Kill that nature of yourself. 
that you might become, and then the Word becomes a living thing. It just expresses itself through you. See? Then you're looking in the looking glass and people see you as a mirror because, you know, God has made a way. People won't read the Bible. So God has made you a Bible. You are. What you do, people's looking at you. God sent His mirrors, His, his, his express expression of Himself in the prophets because the Word came to the prophets. And they expressed God there in the, the prophecy that God gave them. And now God expresses Himself through His Son, Christ Jesus, as He takes us in as adopted children and put His Spirit in us, crying, Abba, Father. See? Or in other words, my God, my God. See? Then the Holy Spirit in us Christ Spirit expressing Jesus Christ and the people look at you. See? And when they see hypocrisies and everything, no wonder we've lost our strength. The salt has lost its Savior. Oh, no other nature could do this. No. Because He was a molded, perfect character of God. For it was a fallen character that all nature had. All man had a fallen character. Even everything that was under man fell. Everything's got a dying character. And he had a living character. So he expressed it in Christ and he paid the price. And then because of his obedience, he raised him up on the third day. See? And then he gives to us, that gives to us the, the proof. It gives us the assurance that as long as we're in him, we're already risen with him. We won't raise with Christ. We're already raised with Christ. We are in Christ now. And if Christ be risen from the dead, aren't we raised from the dead with Him? Amen. Now we're sitting together in heavenly places in Him. Oh, my. That ought to make you Presbyterian shout. <laughs> Certainly expressed images of God. Molded after the fashion of Christ that the world can see Him in you. That's the looking glass to look at. No other nature could do it. It was fallen. And God identified... Look, God identified Himself as a man and took up on Him the form of sin. Not, well, not sin, but the form of sin. That in order that He might take the sin of the sinner... See? And pay the penalty for it and give the sinner back the life that he had before the fall. <laughs> oh, my. What love God has expressed to us. Think of it. And now remember, after Jesus doing this when nobody else could do it, we are invited. Now, church, think of this just a minute. We are invited to shape our own character to His by His grace. We are invited, think of it, to become uh, characters like His. If we're ready to lay our character down in the molding that we had, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, false accusers and incontinent despisers of those that are trying to do right, having a form of godliness and denying the power of the Word. How can God come into a place like that when they deny the Word, when He watches over His Word to vindicate it, to make it come to pass, and the Word is pushed out? How can He identify Himself with something like that? 
we've got to take the entire full gospel. We must, and now being that we have identified ourselves as full gospel people, let's mold our character. We're invited to be molded in His image that we might reflect His presence. And the works that I do, shall you do also. The life that I live, so shall you. We're invited by God to take Him as an example and let our character be molded like His. What a thing, mine. Then, when we let His character be in us, then we have become sons by having the mind of Christ, mind which is His character. Your mind makes your character. Let the mind, Paul said, of Christ, this mind that was in Christ, be in you. Let that mind of Christ be in you. It molds the character of a son of God. Now how, just listen a minute, how can we have the mind of Christ that was in Him and then deny the things that He commissioned us to do? How can we place miracles in the past when the very Christ Himself was God and God in you in the presence of God? There's always miracles. He said, you call me Lord. Why call ye me Lord and do not the things that I have commanded you to do? I laid out for you to do. Don't you see where we've gotten to? Where the church is drifting? And I find it a whole lot among our Pentecostals too. We're drifting too far from that lifeline. We must come back to that, friend. Come back. Because we're getting big now. I see where the businessman's publication is the greatest one as much mayor as what old Roberts has got. And I find out that when we go to getting big, then we go to acting big. See? Just like Israel did. And we go to acting like we're just compared with the, the rest of them. Remember, you are a different people. You are a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. Well, we Pentecostals got so we more peculiar than the rest of the world. We just dress, act, talk, go do the things they do, run home, watch television instead of stand for church, and just the same things they do about. We're trying to compete, trying to be like the Joneses. See? We don't want to do that. We want to be, make this Bible our looking glass. And let ourselves be molded by His character. Having His character, His mind, letting the mind that was in Christ be in us. His mind was always, what was His mind to do? The mind that was in Christ. Always to stay with the Father's Word. No matter what looked glossy and what looked uh, this way, it didn't make any difference to Him. The Father's words what counted. Everywhere when He met the devil, He never even used His power to defeat Him. He used the Word. Because that was Him. Did you ever think He never wrote a book when He was on earth? As far as we know, he never wrote but one time. That was in the sand. Then raced it out, probably afterwards. Why didn't he write a word? Because he was the word. He lived the word. We don't need so many books when you become a written epistle of God. See, that's what God wants you to be. Images of him. 
As we get towards the end of this episode, we'll end with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for the identification of who we are. We pray, Father, may our nature be molded into Thine, and may You take, Lord, all our weaknesses and pride, and may You mold us until the image of Thy Son. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you. Above all powers, above all kings, above all nature and all Above all wisdom and all the ways of man, you were there before the world began. Above all kingdoms, above all thrones, above all wise.
honored that amen. Let's give our Lord praise this night. Amen. Let's lift up our holy hands. Amen. And worship in spirit and in truth. Oh, he deserves the best. Amen. Hallelujah. We were in his mind before the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. Amen. Hallelujah. But for all kingdoms, above all powers. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, we worship him in spirit. Amen. And in truth. Hallelujah.